right, everybody, we got the fearsome doosome here coming at you live for HockeyRoyalty.com at the Hockey Royalty Podcast, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. My buddy, the man, the myth, the legend, Joe Paterino. How you doing, my man? Doing very well, Randon. How you doing? I'm getting over a bug here. So, you know, got the cough drops in, uh, you know, got the taking the aspirin and all that kind of stuff like that. But I'm, I'm powering through, you know. Just like many of the Kings did with injuries during the playoffs, you know, your man has got to come through in the clutch so our fans could have a podcast every week. But That's what it's all about, right? Exactly, exactly. So for those who didn't look at the title or anything like that, we're going to be talking changes in the Pacific, our captain from the rain, leaving for greener pastures, and defensive evaluations. How do those defensemen look? What's going on? Who's going to make the cut? All coming at you next. So let's get into it right away with our first topic, bye to the captain. Brett Sutter takes a coaching job, ironically, underneath his dad um, over there in Calgary. But longtime captain, over 1,000 games total in, the, uh, in all the leagues combined that he's played in. Uh, or was it just AHL that's 1,000 games? Is it complete minor league or just AHL? No, uh, that was professional. Professional. Yep. So included, still, that, yeah, that included his uh... – NHL games. Yep. Yeah. So long, uh, you know, tenured career, especially as captain for the rain. What does this mean for this team? And and what does it mean going forward? I mean, new head coach, new captain, it, you know, it, it's kind of the, con the congruency is, is no longer there. Um, well, first of all, you know, congrats to, to Brett Sutter. And, you know, he's meant a lot to this organization during his time here. He's been the captain for a while. So, um, certainly a, a, a big loss for the rain when it comes to that locker room. And, and, you know, I remember last year when you saw, um, all the, the guys that would get called up and there with all the injuries that seemed to happen somewhat frequently, whether it was Moverari or Spence or Dursey, Sutter was the biggest fan. Um, he had guys over at his house, I believe it was, watching one of the debuts. He would tweet out stories about the guys. So he really like just the the prototypical kind of captain. And, and uh, he's somebody that I'm sure is going to be missed in that room. But uh, I, I suspect it's a, it's a great move for him personally and, and professionally. So, um, you know, it's a young rain team. Right. I mean, not that they were old necessarily last year. They were one of the, among the younger ones last year, but you've lost Sutter. You've lost Ferk. Uh, they've moved on and you're presumably going to be. And there is still some time, obviously, to see how things shake out. But you're going to probably be filling this roster with some some younger players. I know TJ Tynan is still there and there's you know a couple of guys floating around that are but a little bit older, but not not much not not the 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 kghl vets that we've seen right i mean so that's that includes the back end whether it's up front where sutter was or on the back end too um you know nelson noje not that he was old you know isn't somebody that's returning they did bring cameron gone so it's um it's going to be a different look i think um and i think it's gonna be a younger look it's, a, yeah, it's an opportunity. It'll be it, it allows for a little bit more opportunity, perhaps, for some guys. And we'll see how they fill that bottom part of the roster. But like it's you don't you're not going to take Sutter, your captain and, and out of the lineup. But depending on how they fill it, that now they could kind of, you know, interchange some younger guys and get some guys more reps in there. Yeah, I think the C is probably going to go to Tynan. If I, if I would have had to guess, he's one of the older guys in the locker room, MVP. Uh, been around for a while. I think he probably gets the C there. I mean, he's under contract for two years, so you know there's going to be some uh, – at least you're going to have a two-year deal with that captain. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be a while before you get a guy like Sutter to come there for you know multiple 
10 years, right? So uh, I think Tynan will probably get the C, maybe Gauntz maybe gets the A, and then you get another guy. I don't know if they view Allard with his short time with the team as, as uh, you know, assistant captain, or they give it to one of the prospects that has earned it, maybe like a Samuel Fagimo if he doesn't uh, make the NHL roster. Carter Scores comes in here with, do you think this is a good for the rain considering the logjam of prospects? And I, I think I think good is a sense of opinion as far as what you think is good. So I think it's good for the prospects as far as the logjam, like he's saying, uh, as far as them getting more playing time, right? I mean, yeah. Sutter was taking up a C spot, taking minutes. You know, we talked about in order to earn a spot in the NHL, you're probably going to have to learn how to penalty kill. He was taking up some penalty kill time there. So you're going to see guys like Hellenius get more time in the penalty kill and, and, and a lot more of those uh, young centermen. And so I think it'll be good for them. In that aspect, I think it'll be bad because it's there's still a lot to learn to be a pro, you know. And the AHL is a grind. You're not getting luxury yep. jets and stuff like that. And and to be that pro mentality for a long period of time, and like you said, doing a lot of the stuff like you know hosting parties for people who get called up, making sure that their work is acknowledged, and being almost like a coach on the ice. I think that's going to be sorely missed. And you know, I think maybe Tynan's up for the job of doing something like that, but. When you have a consistent presence, it's always going to be a little bit different. Yeah, I think, I, I think though, I will say overall it is a good thing. I mean, I think that you're going to, you know, you mentioned Hellenius, Andre Lee's another one. Taylor Ward saw a lot of ice time really in the, in the top part of the lineup last year. We'll see where, where he slots uh, as, as things go this season. Um, and you talked about the center position, right? I mean, you know, Tynan's going to be the first, uh, first C. Presumably, Turcotte will be second C. Akil Thomas is three C. Um, there's a lot of options there. Um, so I, I, I just think, and again, we'll, we'll, ultimately, we'll see what they do. If they do want to bring in another veteran, that said, if they do that, it's probably another veteran that, that it's a little bit easier to kind of have in and out of the lineup to allow some of these prospects to play a little bit more. So, you know, I think it's a good thing from the prospect standpoint, just because it, it should allow some some more opportunity. So we'll get to another rain question here from Carter uh, before we get going on to what's going on in the Pacific. Assuming Bjornfoot starts with the rain, is he going to leave the rain in time on uh, time of ice? And I would say he has to. Right. You're going to have to put him into every situation unless the Kings are like, hey, we want him to get good at this one aspect. I want him on all the penalty kills. We don't need him on the power play and he needs to be the first line left. You know, I, I think with the being the first line lefty and being probably first penalty kill, he probably would lead the defenseman in time on ice. I'll say maybe per game, but I, I'm going to say no in kind of an overall because I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up making his way back up to the NHL. Because I, I suspect that if he does start in Ontario, that is my preference. And that is, I guess, in my, what are we, in August first week in August prediction that I think he's one we've seen Blake be, you know, use his waivers, um, you know, kind of conservatively. So from a roster and asset management standpoint, so that's going to be my guess as he goes down. So if that's the case, that said, he's not going to play power play over Jordan Spence, who I also think is going to start down there. So Spence is going to run the top unit. So, you know, is he going to get the most minutes? I don't know. He's going to get top pair minutes, you know, and and maybe if Spence. And if he's with Spence and Spence is doing the power play one and he's doing pen, penalty kill one, I mean, they're probably going to be pretty equal. Yeah. I mean, if it's, that's why I say if it's not one, he'll be one or two, right? He's going to, he'll, he will get a, a large share of minutes. All right. Let's move it over to changes in the Pacific. And, and so 
this is kind of based off an article that came out earlier today uh, from Dom of The Athletic. And Ryan wrote an article for Hockey Royalty about how that affects the Kings. But we want to kind of gloss over the Pacific because things are changing. Obviously, the Kings changed into a playoff situation last year. Now it's more of an expectation, especially with the addition of Kevin Fiala. But what does that mean? What do these acquisitions or removals from the team mean on a wins per game basis, maybe a statistical basis? And this whole article broke it down and kind of ranked it on, um, you know, an added wins and and what kind of salary was added. And Kings ended up being 11th. Uh, a couple people above them in the Pacific, a couple people below them. Uh, coming in at number two overall and number one in the Pacific was the Kraken. They added 4.1 wins. Uh, Andre uh, Ber- uh, Burkowski and uh, Borkstrand were the major ads there. And obviously, when you add two guys of that level of talent, you know, Andre was one of the top in points per 60. Borkstrand, if you look at his like advanced metric cards, it's it's all blue. Like he's good at everything. Uh, not great at anything, but gr- all good at everything. Uh, what about what do you think about those ads? Does it really make that much of a difference with four wins, or, or you still think they're a lottery team next season? Not if they can't keep the puck out of the net. So I think Seattle was a lot better than their record showed last year. Their their you know their five on five numbers, particularly with possession wise and expected goals, they were at worst like an average team, and in some cases above average. They were right around a fifty percent Corsi team um, at five on five. So it's, they they were not nearly as bad as their record was, but they had horrific goaltending and they had horrific special teams um add that up and you get a lottery team i don't think they're going to be that bad again i think the additions are going to help them i think last year honestly i I was think it was a fluke that they were that bad i don't you know they certainly weren't going to be as good as the as a lot of projection models had them out to be that was on the, the kind of the high end they weren't nearly as bad as that though they'll be a lot more competitive this year um i think and I know you'll get into some other teams, but kind of in the grand scheme of the Pacific, I don't think there's any team that has pulled away from the pack. Like you looked at going into last season, Vegas was kind of the, the lead dog in Edmonton. And then as the season went along, Calgary, you know, they, they took the reins. But I don't think any team has pulled away from the pack. The bottom teams are coming up to the pack. I suspect a really, really, really competitive division this year. Um, I still don't know that it's one of the better divisions, but I think it should be even more competitive. I think some of the bottom teams got better, um, and none of the top teams really separated themselves, I don't think. but Yeah, you're looking at the Seattle Kraken. Not only did they add quite a bit of talent uh, in the in free agent, but in the draft. So Shane Wright yeah. should be there. Obviously, he's going to be a rookie, but I would expect him to make the team. And then Matty Berniers has played in every, like we talked about this with Faber. He played in every single competition that you could possibly ask of him, you know, and, and has done well. And I think he's going to take a major step forward next season. And that team should be way better offensively on a consistent basis. Yeah. And I wouldn't underrate the, um, the addition of Justin Schultz either in free agency. Um, they got to get a save. Um, Grubauer, Dreger. And Martin Jones ain't that guy. No. And, and Grubauer, man, he, he was he, he earned the contract from the year before, was a train wreck last year. If he can be an average goaltender this year, the Kraken are going to be a very competitive team. Now, again, I don't know if they're a playoff team, but again, in this division, they're going to be competitive. The next one is the the uh, enemies from down Highway 5, the Anaheim Ducks, added 3.7 wins by a salary added of $24.2 million by signing Ryan Strom, John Kleenberg, Frank uh, Vitrano, and Oli 
Hugh Bailey. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Hugh Bailey? I don't know. Uh, anyway, so they get a top six uh, centerman. Uh, you get a top right um, defenseman and a power play captain to go with Jamie Drysdale. So their team's adding quite a bit of offense. You obviously see, saw in the beginning of the year with them leading the division for a little bit that they have enough juice to do it in short spurts. But as we saw with the Kings in previous years, that juice only lasts so long and consistency is more important. With Gibson still in his prime, do they have enough here to make a, be a more consistent team? Or do you think they're still one, maybe two years away? They're a couple years away, no question. But they're they're not that bad, though. As I mentioned, that some of these bottom teams have pulled themselves up from the pack. I guess the only exception could be San Jose. But Anaheim, you know, they're – they're an intrigue. They're in an, an interesting spot because they've got some of these younger players that are, you know, Zegris is 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 you know came on the scene a, 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 in a big way last year with some of the exciting plays that he has. Maxime Comtois is a player. Troy Terry had a big year last year. Uh, Mason McTavish presumably we'll see what type of role if he's going to play somewhat of a bigger role this year. Um, and they've got some skilled defensive defensemen. You mentioned they added Ryan Strom, who's been a solid second line center with the Rangers over the years. And they add a legitimate defenseman in Klingberg. Like again, I don't know that this team is a playoff team, but this is going to be a much more competitive team. Um, there's, there's not going to be any easy games in this division. Um, where do you think the captaincy goes? That's that's a good question. Uh, I wouldn't be. I guess it depends. I wouldn't be surprised to see Cam Fowler. He's been there a while. He's under contract for a while. I can see Cam Fowler getting it. I think that would be a pretty good nod. Do they pull? Uh, do they pull a Colorado Avalanche and name the young kid the captain and give Zegers the C? Hey, these days you never know. Uh, they're, they're, it wouldn't. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But I guess if I had to pick, I'd say I'd say Cam Fowler. But again, you've got a pretty. You know, opinions probably vary on on John Gibson, but I'm still a believer that he's a really good goaltender. Um, so when you add John Klingberg to that back end, you add Ryan Strom down the middle. I mean, this is all going to hinge on their kids, right? It's all going to hinge on McTavish, Zegras, Comtois, Drysdale. Are they going to take steps to the next level? Because if they do, you know, then they're going to be a, maybe a dangerous team sooner than we thought. But again, I don't think they're a team that's that's a playoff team, but um, they're going to be competitive. And not for nothing, if they want to, they've got a lot of cap space left. If I don't know how interested they are of, of continuing to add at this point, because again, I think they're still in that right transition. I think, you know, the, the, uh, they seem to take an approach of like, okay, we've been bad for a couple of years. Now we've got some young kids. Let's get these kids playing some competitive games. Let's try to make our team a little bit better here. And, and try to take make this turn to becoming a competitive team. So I think they'll be interesting. Uh, 10th overall uh, and third in the Pacific is your Los Angeles King ad adds 1.7 wins, added 1.4 million. You saw a lot of the uh, other contracts go off. So the Fiala was kind of almost a, a net uh, deal there with the fact that they've lost <laughs> Andrew, Athena Siu, Stetcher, you know, Ole Mata, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Kevin Fiala coming in, though, adding 85 points, only adding 1.7 wins. So was the subtractions of those three guys that much? Or is it just that when you get to the top and you're adding star players, you're only adding so many points at that point? Yeah, I, I just, it's, it's, and listen, I am not uh, – for, just so anybody – for anybody that doesn't follow Dom Lachizan's work with The Athletic, Dom is awesome. He's great, um, and I know analytics and, and some of the numbers and stuff aren't for everybody, but – 
you at least have to appreciate the work that he does and 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 some of the the way he digs into each player and again agree disagree that that's what we're here for. that's what it's all about but I, but you know what he does to put into this work and so and i think it's just in general it's tough for one player to move the needle that much maybe save your elites you know your your mcdavid drysidel matthews i i don't think even somebody of of fiala stature um i could be misspoken there but i i my guess is there isn't really that many players that are going to move it overly significant, but kind of like I said with Anaheim and and a lot of this season is going to hinge on, you know, their young kids. Like if the Kings, cause I, I think their, their top six is in a pretty good place. Assuming that second line plays the way they did last year, which we'll see, but this season it's a big year for Byfield Kaliev. Uh, if they get production from that third line more than than they have in the past, then that's going to be a big deal. Um, and I think that's going to what. And I think even Dom had mentioned in the piece that you know LA is a team to watch. And I think it hinges on that third line. If if you expect the production to come from the top two lines, because that's what you're paying those guys for, that's why they're there. If you start to get big time production from Byfield and Kaliev, the third line, the bottom six, now you've got yourself a dangerous team. He comes in and says that Fiala brings more to the table than those three combined, and the Kings have plenty of prospects to take up any open spots on the roster. Los Angeles is a team to watch, and I think it's it goes in. You put him at one L, you know, left wing one, and everybody moves down. And now you have a guy who was playing first line minutes, playing with Byfield and Iafala. If they can make the cap work and everything like that, and we'll get to that later on in this podcast, but it's going to be something interesting there that I think is just going to make the team more consistent. And not and, that they, not that they weren't last year, but they're. I think offensively, they were a little dry at times, and they were winning games two to one or having to come back in games all the time. And I think this will give them a little bit of a breather. That and with Dowdy playing a full season. And so the other thing with with what what Dom does, and my guess is here is it's probably really difficult. I think there was a lot of uproar with with some fans last season and even this season with hit the low projection points for for him and other models. Listen, the Kings have a have some young players kind of stepping into significant roles like Adrian Kempe hadn't yet popped off. You have Quinton Byfield. I think it's it is difficult to really kind of to project out for some of these guys as to how you're going to have a, a young, a low twenties player, a high prospect, how are they, who, who really to through no fault of his own, whether it be injury or COVID shortened seasons, hasn't had the same development ramp up that maybe there has been in years past to get a, a, a more accurate evaluation. So it's probably tough for models to accurately capture guys like Byfield, guys like Jersey, guys like Kaliev and such. So something to keep in mind with all these teams really. These are just wins added based off of stats from last season, right? So this doesn't take any progression into, hey, does he think – it's not? It's like he's not contemplating is Byfield going to be a 40-point guy. Well, he's, I think they, 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 he, it's off of a game score that he – that he it's a model that he puts together, but he he will try to project that out. I mean, it's not going to be solely off of, off of last season. Last season's numbers will be weighted into it, but there's going to be an attempt there to try to project out forward too, absolutely. So, And Dom, Dom uh, will do projections and player projections for the upcoming season as well. Uh, so – that's an attempt that he will try to do that I'm sure is going to be, I would imagine, is blended into this. Edmonton comes right after, also 1.7, uh, getting Jack Campbell. And that's pretty much where they're adding is at because 
you have Smith, who's no longer on the team, and Miko Koskinen was their only goalie really there. And so adding Campbell brings that win total up. Campbell was extremely streaky last year with Toronto. Obviously, he won an all-star bid. And so you got to think that he's going to help the team out. But he also showed points in the season where he was pretty bad. So, you know, obviously the Toronto media is is the worst in hockey as far as the pressure. But Edmonton isn't that far off. I mean, any hockey, heck, any hockey town is going to give that to you. What do you think about this ad here? Uh, and does it make does it make Edmonton better in your opinion? I I think it was a necessary ad. Um, it was you know I, it's a lot of money, um, and probably more importantly, a lot of years. I shouldn't say it's a lot of money. Five million is is maybe a little heavy, but that's kind of the going rate. I I, I prefer a shorter deal, uh, but. That's beside the point. Campbell, I think, is a better goalie than Mike Smith. I think he makes the team better. And while from an improvement standpoint, it's it may not be significant, as you point out, they they showed up, you know, in the in the uh, you know, even below the Kings. But for me, what Edmonton did in retaining um was huge with Kane, Yamamoto, Puyarvi. Those are those are big guys to keep around now they they're in a tight cap situation we'll see how they get this sorted out but um for now it's uh it's a team that got better no doubt about it yeah Yamamoto just signed recently two years at uh 3.1 AAV after having his best season so definitely a good signing for them moving on to Vancouver 13th and we'll we'll speed this up here a little bit as we get into the bottom <laughs> of this kind of list um Vancouver's coming at 1.3 wins Ilya Mitchkev, uh, if I doubt that's how you pronounce that, Dota, okay, Dota yeah. Joshua, Colin Delea, and Curtis Lazar. And pretty much they said that Vancouver ranked almost last or next to the bottom five for the last three seasons and suppressing chances on the penalty kill. So their penalty kill was open for business all day long. And Ilya is one of the best penalty killers last season, uh, especially from a power kill perspective, being on the ice for 4.1 goals per 60. And so I think they addressed that with bringing over uh, Ilya here and hoping to let their offense fly a little bit more often. Yeah, Mikheyev is somebody that that I, I know he may have gotten a little bit of a healthier contract from for what he did in Toronto, but he's a, he's certainly a, a fine middle six, um, a middle six winger for them. Um, this is an interesting team because there's talent here with Peterson, better, uh, Petter, excuse me, Peterson, Besser, Horvat, Miller. Like this is. A talented team. Um, they brought in uh, Andre Kuzmenko as well. Uh, we'll see how Pod Colson if he plays. It's in. It's a. Uh, there's continued to be rumors though, as they are over the cap. There continues to be rumors about is somebody on the way out. Is JT Miller going to get traded? So there's there's still that that's kind of ongoing. Um, don't love the decor though. I mean, Quinn Hughes is exciting. Um, I, I'm not an Ackman Larson guy. Maybe it's because I'm biased toward how bad that contract is. Um, I, I don't think the D is good enough, um, but they do have, you could argue, the best goalie in the division in Thatcher Demko. So um, I, I think the two teams, um, or two, two of the teams in, in Western Canada, I think Calgary's is right there too with with Markstrom. Those are probably two of the best in, in the division. Uh, so I, I still want to see how the rest of their offseason shakes out because are they trading JT Miller? And what are they doing on the back end? Because I still don't think that's good enough. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Let's go into the, the last three real quick. San Jose Sharks minus 2.1 wins. Obviously, you lose Burns. 
uh, you know, Balsars and Leonard's three guys that are core yeah. of their team. Uh, then you have, I'm scrolling here. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Calgary Flames 27th minus 3.2 wins. Well, hell, they lost their two best players. So uh, you think it would be a lot worse than that. Uh, but that comes with our next signing right here. And Mangiapane signs a three-year deal worth 5.8 AEV. Now, this is interesting because, you know, we were talking with our boys up there and up north that we did the pod with. Um, and the crossover pod, I was asking them, you know, they were worried about Mangiapane and what his contract would be. And we were talking that the interesting that roughly the same stats, I think actually the same stats as, as Kempe, same, roughly the same age. And, you know, should their deals be somewhat similar? So, do you I mean do you like the Kempe deal better at four at five and a half, or do you like the Mangiapane paint a little bit more, but not as not as many years for the the peak? I'm so I'm gonna I'm generally gonna want to try to get as many years locked in as I can. So, I like both players. I think Mangiapane is a hell of a player. Um, so that's a big addition for not addition, but they you know they retain him. So. I, Again, in general, I know we talked about this with Kempe. Like, if you believe in the player, if you can agree on a number to lock him up, then I try to do that because what's going to happen is if Mangiapane and or Kempe pop off or continue to pop off, now instead of trying to buy those years early and pay maybe six, five and a half to six and a half, now you're going to end up paying that guy eight and a half to nine and a half or even more depending on you know, what they, how big these next couple of seasons get. So it really just depends on do you, if your development and your organization says, we believe in this guy, we think he's going to be a 30 goal scorer for the next X amount of years, then you should try to do lock that guy up long-term. Now, you know, maybe the player because of uh, unrestricted free agency, they, they, they don't want to buy too many of those years. So that's a tough thing to do sometimes. Um, and that's probably the case that you're seeing here with, uh, with Mangiapane and Kempe for that matter, that it still gives them that window to to hit free agency at a age where I guess it doesn't matter. They would still get paid. If they have big enough years, somebody will pay them. So. The last is Vegas losing four wins, obviously. They didn't add anybody, and they lost some of their best players, uh, the first-line winger and Pacioretty. Uh, that dumpster fire of a franchise. I don't know what they do with all their star players, but – they're losing four wins there. You know, that's eight points, and they were right on the fringe of the playoff spot. Do you view them as a risk to miss the playoffs this year? Because Dom sure does. Only if they get injuries. Um, I, I was you guys, I, I mean, I've been very high on Vegas. That was before, that was pre-Pacioretty deal. I, I, I'm a little surprised at that. I feel like there, that there had to be another way, but maybe not. Um, that's So I was talking about earlier with these top teams have kind of come – nobody's – run away from the pack right vegas yeah, calgary you know, and Van and vegas dropped vegas barely went up agreed vegas has clearly come back i still think if you told me that vegas was going to be healthy all season they're probably my favorite for the division although it's very very close not as not as big of a favorite as i would have said you know a month ago but we know that's not going to happen. Injuries happen. This is what it is. Like so, and they showed last year they have no depth. So that worries me if I'm a Vegas fan. Um, Calgary, though, hey, like maybe I they could easily win the division again. And I think you know 
what they've done after losing Goudreau and Kachuk to replace them with what they've replaced them with, with Huberdo, Uyghur, and the rest of that deal from a future standpoint, a prospect and a first-round pick, they did a hell of a job in the Kachuk deal, all things considered. Yeah. Calgary ain't going anywhere. They're going to no, nowhere because their offense is still solid. You know, obviously it's going to take a little bit of a hit when you lose both those guys, but – you know, they they brought in Huberto, so he's going to at least offset a portion of that. And they could have the best decor, and not could, they probably have the best decor in the division. That defense core is really – Mackenzie Weger is a is a top-pair defenseman. Don't I mean, I don't think that he's getting quite the love maybe he should because of the – I mean, the impact that, like, the big names, Goudreau and, and Kachuk are gone. And, yes, they brought in Huberto, but that's two for – like, Mackenzie Weger is a top-pair D. So they they added a, a significant piece to their blue line, which was already pretty good. Not to mention you have, in my opinion, the best, like I said, it's either here, Demko, the best goalie in the division, my opinion. So they're not going anywhere. Um, again, did they come back to the pack? Yes, they did. But they're going to be right there. Vegas will be right there. Edmonton will be right there. And L.A. will be right there. And I would say – we saw last year that it just never goes as planned, right? Nobody had Cal- Ed- Calgary, Edmonton, LA uh, as your top three in Vegas missing the playoffs. So you also have to keep in mind that who is a likely team to kind of surprise? For me, the number one team in that mix in the West, in the Pacific, is Seattle. Depending on what happens with the rest of the offseason, I think Vancouver. Uh, and we talked about how Anaheim – a lot hinges on the young guys. They're going to, you know, uh, Klingenberg's going to be out to try to earn a contract. So um, I think there's an outside shot Anaheim. I, I still think they're a couple years away, but I think, you know, don't don't sleep on one of these surprise teams that L.A. turned into last just last year. We were that surprise team, L.A. was. So um, it's, it's going to be a fun division. It's going to be extremely competitive, I think. Um, and I just don't know that there's any one, one or even two teams that have pulled away. But I think I wouldn't write off Vegas because they're way too damn good. Um, they just have to stay healthy. And Calgary, as we thought, might be taking a big fall. I don't think they're going anywhere. All right. All right. Next up for the word from our sponsor at DraftKings. The action never ends with DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer, with tons of ways to bet on your favorite sports. You can feel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving a new customer risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you get another shot to cash in. You can throw it down on all major action of baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props your betting options feel endless. Do you want to bet on the baseball MVP? Who will win the division on a game-to-game basis? Hits, home runs? Keep your eye on anybody you want. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPM. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions may apply. See show notes for details. All right, we're getting into everybody's favorite part here, and that's just evaluating our own team. Go in and out. Who will start? And then we're we're talking defense today, boys. And first guy up is Drew Doughty. Now, I barely think he's going to make the squad, but we'll see how that works out in camp. No, I think it's going to be a major addition, and, and those those 1.7 wins – 
you know, I, I think calculates for a pretty full season. And Dowdy is playing at a high level. He gets another offseason, a longer offseason to recoup. He says he's doing way more than he ever did with keeping his body in shape. And that was last season. I'm assuming he's doing the same this season, especially coming off of an injury. What do you expect from Drew Dowdy come next season? And, and how big of an impact do you think he'll have on this decor? For the Kings, it's huge. Um, you know, he runs their their power play. He's a, he's an integral part of their entire lineup, right? What they do on five on five, what they do at special teams, um, you know, in the locker room, you could say as well. I mean, it, it's he he's a, the total package. He's been with this team forever, and I think he had a couple of rough years. And, and going back to the Athletic and Dom, he ranks the uh, you know the, the worst contracts in the NHL. And for a couple of years, Drew Doughty was number one or among the top, and he's now totally off of his top 10 list. And even he acknowledged, he goes, you know what? He's really kind of found his game again, Drew Doughty has, and he's turned into being, maybe he's not earning every penny of that contract, but he's really played a heck of, uh, play, played much better over the last couple of seasons. So, you know, he's getting older, so there's going to be times where, you know, we don't know how long this will last, but, um I think there's a, a lot of reason to be optimistic about uh, what Drew Doughty can bring uh, back to the team. Yeah, I think he's in the same boat as Kopitar, and I don't think Doughty would like to admit it. But you know, on games that we're getting blown out or we're blowing people out, you know, you got to give him a puff on the power play, on the penalty kill, because those are tough minutes, some, especially on the penalty kill. And and so give some of the young guys a shot, and you know, save his legs a little bit, because now expectations come in May and June, and so you know playing 30 minutes in in October and November and games that don't really matter uh, because you're blowing a team out, you know, definitely needs to 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 kind of be in the thought of Todd McClellan. And then you have players like Dursey and Spence and Walker who can take up that power play when needed and get them some much needed minutes, uh, you know, there at that point. So I think he'll be huge for the team. I think you saw him saying that if we made it to the Western Conference Finals, he would have figured out a way to play. Like he's just that type of dude, and yeah, he's a gamer. And you miss those types of players on the ice. And not, not to take away from any of the young guys that came in and, and propped us up in March when we thought it was all over and we probably would miss the playoffs because of the fact that it's hard to overcome all those injuries. Well, we did it, and Vegas didn't, and that was because of a lot of the young guys. But you never are not going to miss a guy like Drew Doughty. Yeah, that was the biggest thing. I mean, both teams suffered injuries, but the fact that L.A. had the likes of Jersey Spence able to kind of step in and Moverari and backfill that those roster spots was was the big difference maker. Next up is the currently unsigned Mikey Anderson. Uh, let's talk, let's go in with that first. The contract. What, what do you think is going on here with uh, Mikey Anderson's contract? Is it just not enough cap space? Do you think he's holding out because his, his his camp think that he's worth more than what the Kings think, right? I mean, is it a 3.5, a 3 million? Is he thinking he deserves four? Does he want like a seven-year deal at like four and a half million? Like something to where the cap hit really doesn't fit now, but he wants to be here for a long time. Like how do you feel like this is going down in, in the offices between the agent and Rob Blake at this point? Boy, I mean, that's a great question. Obviously, what I'm about to say would be just total speculation, right? I, I don't know. I mean, I I, I think it's, a, it's an interesting spot or an interesting case uh, is Mikey Anderson because he kind of by default is first pair, is, is a LD1 in Los Angeles. He's not an LD1 in the NHL. 
on most teams, I don't think. I mean, I don't think that's a controversial statement. I like Mike Candace. I like him a lot. I think maybe he could still develop into a much more consistent and, and solid one LD1. Um, but I think what works is he likes playing with Dowdy. Dowdy likes playing with him, and the pairing works. So I think there's there's a lot to that, too. So yeah. And, again, by default, there's been nobody else on that left side. Bjornfoot, you know, hasn't really – played well so there's nobody else coming up on the left side that's a prospect and they obviously haven't really addressed it in free agency um from a top pair standpoint so and again i think they view anderson's gonna play with dowdy and that's that's perfectly fine do you think he's an ld1 from a defensive standpoint um no i know i don't think he's an ld1 i think he's a i think he's a I know, but I, that's that's not answering my question though. Like, if you take offensive ability out of it, because I think that's no. where he's missing. You don't think, from a defensive standpoint, he I has? I think he's solid. I think he's very good. I think he slots better in on the second pair, personally. Now, again, maybe we're maybe we're nitpicking here because again, I, it's I like Mikey Anderson. He's still very young, and I still think he can develop just fine. And maybe that's part of the issue with this. Again, total speculation here. You know. I don't know if what I'm sure the Kings, they obviously like him. He is very quite clearly their best defenseman on the left side right now. So they need to, you know, make sure that they get him in, in locked up or, or signed at least for the short term, because there's really nobody else here um, barring, you know, barring a trade of some sort. But I, I, I don't know. Do the Kings want to commit to Mikey Anderson as LD one, for a long time, or could you? But that said, at the at a number you threw out there, like four million for a, a long term deal, a six seven year deal, you could eat. That's that's perfectly fine. To yeah, caps going on. up, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and and, he, and that's that you can play that at second pair D too. That's that's perfectly fine. So I I think you know, and it's not really any fault of Mikey's, Mike Anderson's. Like he came in at a young age, he took advantage of a of a thin position, and he's earned it. Like I'm not. I don't mean to say that that he hasn't earned his his spot and he's he's come along nicely, but you, you know look at the other you know some of the top left defensemen in the NHL. I mean I'm sorry I'm just not putting Mike Anderson among them. So what's going on with the contract? I don't know. Um, I don't know what he's coming in thinking. I, I'm not sure. I I'm with Carter Scores here saying that it's a little worrisome for me, and I think the camp for me in my opinion is you know is pay me what I've been playing. Like, yeah, I might not be LD1 compared to a lot of other players in this league. But he's LD1 in LA. But I'm, I'm LD1 in LA. I'm yeah. playing 20-something minutes a night. I'm yeah. I'm the one banging Connor McDavid in the boards in the playoffs. I'm the one that carried this team when Drew Doughty was out to, on the on the first pair. You know, like, I'm the one that did all those things. Like, is that really worth $2 million to you guys? Is that really worth $2.2 million to you guys? Like, I have a feeling there's a pretty large – pretty significant gap and in hockey that may be only 500 K, but you know, you're not seeing players getting paid 50 million like you are mm -hmm. in the NFL. Yeah. So, you know, 500 K is still a lot of money that, that is a big difference. And I'm not saying it is 500 K. I don't have any sources, but I'm saying right, like, I right. think they're off on salary because for me, like does does he have to take the home team discount? Like, like, Oh, like, Hey, I, I want to, like I'm, I'm gonna take one more year at a low pay. Like, what if he gets injured next season? Then that next contract <clears throat> mm -hmm. isn't as big or a promise or whatever. Like, there's no promises in hockey from year to year on a, a salary standpoint. Like, to be honest, he deserves to get paid. Like, and but what is that? Like, it's he's not. That's the kicker. 
He's no. not a seven, eight million dollar defenseman. No, you know, so but he's playing LD one minute. So, like, where is the sweet spot for for that? And the Kings at this point can't afford to pay him four, four and a half million without moving a salary. So where does that come into you? Like what I mean, where do you think it ultimately ends up being if you're just throwing a guess out there? If I had to guess, it's it's a guess would be they'll kick the can down the road. It'll be a one-year deal and they'll move on to next season. One year at, to what, two and a half, um, two million, something like that. Uh, again, I am not a contract expert. I don't, and I have no idea what's going on in these negotiations, but the fact that there isn't this, you know, we kind of speculated. I know Russ brought it up too, Russell Morgan, that that wouldn't be surprised to wake up one day and just see Mikey Anderson gets a six by three, right, um, extension or something like that. And And while that still wouldn't shock me, it's just a little odd. I, th- I think that it hasn't happened. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it means. Um, it's, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. Oh, we did. We went into the evaluations. Let's there, as far as the contract is concerned, let's do a quick little breeze over his ability. Cause we all, I think we already know what he is, right? I mean, he's not going to be overly offensive. He's a good defenseman uh, on the defensive side. I think he's maybe a little bit better than good. Like where does his game improve in your eyes next season or, or where does it need to improve? So, you know, you mentioned his, his the his the back end um, and his defensive side of his game. So what I want to see, I want him to be like, if if the offense is going to be limited, which is fine, okay, he's paired with Drew Doughty. You don't need Mike Anderson to be running gun. Got it. He need, I need him to be elite as a defensive defenseman. And I think there were still some – like elite to where – because listen, and I, and I know everybody talks about the playoffs, and he was more physical, and and I can appreciate that. But make no mistake, he was still in his own zone quite a bit. Now, okay, am I being unfair? Because listen, he's going against McDavid and Drysdale. Well, of course he is. Well, <laughs> like that's eventually you want a guy. They're in be, his division. <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. So you know he's going to be going against these top guys. He's going to be going against Jack Eichel. He's going to be going against Jonathan Huberdeau. Um, so I need him to be an elite shutdown defenseman and from a zone entry standpoint, or, you know, defending opponents, zone entries at the blue line, and also being somebody that can, you know, break pucks out and, and make that first pass and, and have zone exit. So I think like he, and he is, he's, he's good at that. I wouldn't say he's great at that. And I'd like to see him just take that even next step to that. Cause again, he's only 23 years old, so he's coming along perfectly fine um but i'd like to see that next level of of that part of his game i always had a coach that told me he's like why are you working on things that you're bad at you're already bad at them why don't you perfect the things that you're already good at and and so you know there's some things that you know like as a pitcher i was never going to be able to throw certain pitches i just couldn't like get a natural feel for them and and there's going to be some people that are never going to be elite offensively it's just not going to happen and i think the game is going to slow down for him continually and the offensive game will slowly trickle upwards. But yeah, spend most of your time in the defensive zone. Spend most of your time working on those things to to make that your your best skill at a more elite level. And uh, I agree with you there. I think that's something that he could or should work on to perfect more at a higher level of his craft. Let's switch it up to the other unsigned guy, Sean Dersey. Now, Sean Dersey... Still unsigned, had a big year, came out of nowhere, got given the chance. Kind of a 
kind of the blind spot to that trade that went down. Uh, you know, as Grunstrom had already had time, the draft picks have gotten all the clout, and he was just kind of sitting there like, "Is Jersey going to make it? Is Jersey going to make it?" And then we see in the 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 camper and the tournament, you know, he's the best player on the ice. Then in camp, he shows up and hey, he's one of the best players on the ice. And then he's on the rain and he's one of the best players on the ice. And, then, <laughs> and so it just kept continuing, continuing. And you saw, okay, he Jersey knows what he's talking about. He's vocal. He's doing this. He's doing that. And like there was never a negative word spoken about him all the way through until he got brought up. And even then he was consistently, you know, coming up and scoring goals and getting assists. And you were like, okay, like the defense has been missing these points. And sure, we'll take the we'll take the here and there of you know him mi- missing a defensive assignment and there's a uh, assignment and there's a two on one going the other way because he's a rookie. But overall. For his first season, I thought it went very well, and they asked him to play some very tough minutes down the stretch. And so it's interesting to see what he's going to be wanting to get paid as well. Is this a situation of, yeah, I only played a little bit, but you guys relied on me. I expect to make it out of camp. Or do you think that this is like, hey, we got to get Mikey Anderson done first. Jersey, just wait a second. We'll, we got we to gotta pump the brakes here before, I, before we can sign you. I mean, to that last part, I mean, I, I, I kind of hope that, and I, I think that teams can, I don't know, they can walk and chew gum at the same time. And I think they probably have decent ideas as to what these numbers are. So I'm hoping that, that I guess that could be the case. But I I couldn't agree more. I thought Thursday was really good, like relative to expectations. What what were the expectations? Did you think he was going to come up and be this defensive stalwart? I mean, obviously, like he was going to have some issues. The biggest issues that I saw with Thursday was when he was put under pressure. Um, there was a heavy forecheck on him. That was when he struggled the most. But he's a young defenseman getting his first taste in the NHL. So this was – that's kind of to be expected, especially the style player he is, which is much more of a riverboat gambler at times where he's going to try to push the pace. Um, Breaking news out of the Pacific, Elliot Friedman says Calgary and Jonathan Huberdeau are closing in on a long-term extension. Calgary ain't going anywhere. I wonder what Calgary that's going to be. Going if anywhere. It- if we get it before the end of this podcast, as you guys are watching it live, I'll let you know what that those numbers come out to be there. But yeah, him, uh, him, him, and Weger, I think pretty shortly after the trade, we're like, yeah, we're interested in staying. So again, uh, the I, the demise of the Calgary Flames is a little premature. So get back to Jersey yes. there. I just wanted to break it open no, with yep. open news. Nope. Good, good, uh, good breaking news. That's a big story. I no, listen. I, I again, I I really like Jersey. Um, I I think he. I don't know what this contract comes in at. I would be a little surprised if that's, this was a difficult negotiation, though. I mean, at least Mikey Anderson, he's got a couple of years here of playing LD1 minutes, right? There's yeah, a little bit yeah. more of like, hey, and there's only, these RFAs only have so much, they, very little um, in terms of leverage. So I'd be a little surprised if the Jersey thing is a difficult one. It could be a situation, like you said, perhaps it's a, hey, you know, we're going to work on getting – Mikey taken care of. We'll get you locked up, no problem. A year or two, or whatever the deal, whatever the number is going to be. But I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on with, as to why neither of them are signed right now. But very much like Sean Dursey, the player, um, and I think he showed very well. And listen, from an asset standpoint, he he really elevated his game to a potential trade piece down the road. If 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 again they look to move uh, a, a right D. 
Carter comes in here uh, speak, uh, reading your mind, and he says, if Jersey gets an A for the season, I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. However, I don't see him as a long-term king. Personally, Spence has a higher ceiling. And we've all known the logjam is on the right side. Eventually, more people are going to have to go to fit all this these puzzle pieces. Brant Clark, which we'll get to later on, is one of those puzzle pieces. They expect him to be Dowdy's replacement. That Jordan Spence came in there with a long. We have Helgi Granz right there on the right hand side. Could this contract disagreement be from a contract length standpoint? Maybe Dursey already being traded once wants a little bit more, a little bit more long term, you know, protection there. Which obviously they doesn't prevent him from being traded. I don't think Rob Blake would give him a no move clause at this point in his career. Uh, but maybe he wants a two three year deal instead of just a one year. Hey, I got to do this again because he knows. Hey, I made I made my money last season with how much I played. If Brent Clark <laughs> makes the team with Sean Walker coming back, with Helgi Grons being there, like who's to say that I get the same amount of minutes to negotiate a good a good or better deal for me next season? Maybe. Yeah, it's entirely possible. And again, I I I don't know how much back and forth there can be with that. He just doesn't have quite the same leg to stand. And I think that Mikey does in terms of what he's brought to the NHL to date. Um, but that said, I agree with Carter. I'm a, I am ai love Jersey. I think he showed out great in the, in his time in the NHL. So um, he, he could be right that he may not be long-term for the organization, but who knows? Yeah. I think it'll be interesting in how it works out with, with him and, and what they expect him to be and what his role will be. Like, is it going to be, is it going to be the three, you know, behind Roy and, and Dowdy? And he's, is he going to be power play two? Is it going to be Walker on the power play two? I think it's going to be interesting to see how they use him overall for the season um, and, and and going forward. I think one more comment here before we switch it up. And Richard comes in. Jersey can stay for now and use to take the Kings to the cup contender status. I like I like it. Yeah, Actually, we'll come the in case, here. Richard. Tommy coming in here. I haven't seen him in the chat in a while. Thank you for coming in. Uh, do you think Rob Blake will trade someone before re-signing Dursey Anderson to avoid losing leverage in a trade uh, involving Lazat Walker, maybe even I follow? I think it's a possibility if the numbers get too out of whack for Anderson and Dursey to where we don't have the space that you're going to have to. Like those are two integral guys in your lineup. Maybe you have to trade a Walker away for almost nothing just to make some space. But you know, Joe more than I was under the impression the way Rob Blake said it in the exit interviews that Walker isn't going anywhere. And so, you know, how is this going to all work out? We'll see. I think they might have to. Obviously, you can make trades up until, you know, whenever. So, like, maybe they get to camp and injury happens. A team has a mm-hmm. need and he can get a higher value for that. You know, all those kind of things can happen. Um, I wouldn't count it out. I think there's also a a time and place where the Kings can make both of these fit underneath. And, you know, there's a waiting game going on here. Obviously the agent's trying to do best for this client and Rob Blake's trying to do what's best for the Kings. And so I'm not, you know, it's not like what I just went through with Debo Samuel with, for the Niners. And like, he was a week into camp and then he finally signed, you know, like we're not even there yet. And so I'm not too worried at this point. Uh, You know, obviously you would like to have all your, uh, you know, your T's crossed and your I's dotted, but at this point I'm not too worried. And I think, you know, as we get closer to camp, we might see some of these dominoes fall. Uh, on to his, his D partner for a long period, uh, for a, a, a certain period of time. And it wasn't a great period of time. Uh, so, so the highest Bjornfoot, I think this is probably the most polarizing group or, um, or polarizing player on the decor on what he should be, where he should be. 
you know, where he could possibly start the season at. And I think it's kind of crazy here. You know, first uh, round pick, I believe it was 19th overall, if I remember correctly, or 21st, somewhere in there. Uh, Regardless, over 100 games in the NHL, like you think that he pretty much has a spot locked down, but you're saying maybe he should start in the air to marinate. We had a person in the chat say it earlier. Um, it's been quite thrown around on Twitter, and I think a lot of people are down on Tobias Beerford because he didn't play in the uh, um, didn't play well down the stretch. And for me, I think I think some of it was overblown, and some of it's well deserved. And you know, at what point is going back to the A not really beneficial to him? I don't know if that's the case. At what point is his game just uh, at this point like needs to be better? I think we're, we are at that point because you're over 100 games. You are taking a spot, and the Kings are a contender status. So it's no longer the time where it's, it's you know, NHL games are time for growth. I, like, there's got to be some real difference there. And and I think he's got to decide what he wants to be because you see him join the rush. You see him try to stay back, and he's trying to do a little bit of everything. And I, I think you see a little bit of fight in him knowing that where he is at in this position – Take wherever you want out of my little ramble there to start you, your thought on Tobias Bornfoot. I am struggling. I, I, I mean, la- rewind to last offseason, my pick would have been Cal Clegg to get the roster spot over Bjornfoot. And, but listen, okay, they, they ended up trading Clegg. They gave Bjornfoot the run. Fine. He, he did nothing in my eyes to solidify anything. And again, like we said earlier, like I think Blake has shown he'll use that for the guys that are waiver exempt. He will he will use it. Um, so I think Bjornfoot, given they them bringing back Alex Adler, they have Jacob Overari. They have talked about. They said Blake said there's going to be a right shot D that plays on the left side. I think Bjornfoot. I think the writing's on the wall that he starts in in Ontario. Um, the other option, I suppose, is they expose Moverari to waivers again, and he could pass through again. I just don't see the need to do that when you have somebody that's waiver ex- exempt like Bjornfoot, and now Moverari has some games of NHL experience, and he played okay. It's a you know, small sample that I, I understand that, but he certainly didn't look out of place or, or any worse than – than Bjornfoot did. I think Bjornfoot needs to play a lot of minutes and some heavy minutes, tough minutes in the AHL, and to, to kind of see where his game goes because I don't think he is an LD2 for the Kings. Um, I think he's shown that. You brought Alex Adler back, I presume, to be the third pair, but he might end up by default playing that, that second pair. Um, I And then Sean Walker is still here, not going anywhere in my opinion. So I don't see the, you're not, I don't know. I don't see the fit for Bjornfoot unless they just are going to view him as a seventh defenseman. I think he starts in Ontario. I think he'll have every opportunity to make this squad. Perhaps. If, and, and if he's, I mean, people can make strides. Like we never saw 35 goal campaign. Like we never did. I mean, I did, but, uh, and I'm going to ride that until next season. You um, did. So, but you know, like what if he comes into camp and he's, put on like five to 10 pounds of muscle and like you see him like just take this leap forward as a first round pick can at any time. Like he should have every opportunity just because he's waiver exempt. Like 
I don't think that's a I don't think that's a point to where he has to go to the AHL. Like he, he should have every he should have every opportunity to earn his spot. And if he's better than Mervari and Edler, then he should make the roster. I just don't know that he is now. He at least from particularly in in, in reports from Russell didn't look great in development camp again not to read too much into development camp, but you would expect somebody that's been in the NHL for a while that is going to look like somebody that's been in the NHL for a while. You so, expect him to be what he said, uh, Byfield and Kaliev were like, Hey, sure. we're NHL players. You guys are all prospects. This is how the a game step is ahead, a step ahead, yeah. you know? So I don't know. I, you're right in camp. Maybe he just really something clicks and it, and it opens eyes. And if that's the case, by all means, but We've had an extended look, and I and I and it's tough because he's only 21 years old. Like, and and it takes some time for defensemen, particularly, to develop. So, I really, really don't want to like give up by any means on Bjorn Foot. But if you have the opportunity to let him go down and and get some minutes in Ontario while you have NHL options, like if they didn't bring Edler back, okay, well then maybe he does stay up. But you brought Alex Edler back for a reason. You know, he's going to play, and he played well. Full credit to Edler. He played well when he was healthy last year. So, I I, I mean, I think it's a, that's going to be a battle in camp, though, to your point. Like, it's going to be a battle probably between Bjornfoot and Mulverari to where the organization's going to say, okay, which one do we want up and which one do we want to send down? With the caveat, Mulverari's going to have to go through waivers. So, that's going to be your battle in camp, though. Yeah, Richard comes in. Bjornfoot has time to figure some things out. Worst case scenario, he'll be packaged for somebody. Somebody's going to want a first-round pick, right, with the, that amount of games uh, played under his belt. I feel like the, sh the shine wears off, though, when you've struggled as long as he has. Like, and you look at his underlying numbers and his, his possession metrics, and they're, 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 not, they're just not good. Um, and, again, he's still a very young defenseman, but it's, it's troubling. It has to be. New time commenter, Big Junks. Comes in here saying, I'm getting my birthday ticket soon. Congrats, man. Uh, I want to go to a couple games this season. I'm looking at tickets for here in Dallas. I always go every time they come in here. But he has another question about the team. I like Jersey and Anderson. We should have dropped Elias and, and Anderson Dolan. Uh, what do you think? Uh, he also comes in and Mervari. And I, uh, Mervari, those are fighting words for Joe uh, if you've ever come on here. So if you don't want to get banned, I would uh, stop <laughs> with that. Uh, I, I, and I'm just getting there. But I, I think Jersey and Anderson – Obviously, Anderson's coming back. Jersey is going to be coming back. I, I They're going to get these deals done. How they get them done, I don't know. Uh, I don't think they come out of expense of of one of these other two signings. Anderson Dolan is a second-round pick, like, and he's had his best season in the AHL to just drop him and not sign him for anything. Would have been a mistake in itself. Obviously, we talked about in the last podcast, Leas Anderson was a puzzler for us. Not to say that they couldn't ship him out or do whatever after camp or do something there to make it work, uh, but I don't think that Rob Blake would have let Leas Anderson or Mervari's contract dictate what they're going to do with Mikey Anderson or Sean Dursey. No, and the more I thought about Leas Anderson, like it's 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 a it's a, it's a no risk deal. Like if he pops off and has a great camp and he makes the team awesome, it's a good thing. If he doesn't and they send him down to Ontario, whether he clears waivers or not, I don't think it's any skin off the back. I think he's a guy that can stick around for some depth um, and be called up if there's uh, some injury situations. But yeah, I, I mean, yeah, echo your points on Anderson Dolan too. Yeah, I, I just think that, that you know we're 
fans freak out because things aren't ni- nice and tidy, right? And so, and they want obviously that were prominent roles to be signed. I want them to be signed. I don't want this hanging over our heads. But Rob Blake, if he thought that any of these players, like I said, were going to get in the way of these contracts, he wouldn't have signed them, right? Like Mikey Anderson's way more important than Leah Anderson. So like in his mind, maybe it's just vernacular. Maybe they're fighting over years. Maybe it's just, you know, like I said, it's small cap space differential in the NHL, 250K is 250K for a guy that's 20-something years old. So, you know, especially down the down the, uh, down the the stretch, you know, you're going to be having these kind of uh, things until the cap increases. And Russell, who knows, like he talked about it last time, the cap could be going up three, four, five million next season with the ESPN deals. We don't know. Um, or in the future, maybe not next year, but in the future. So just something uh, to keep an eye on there. We'll go to the next. Go ahead. Eight by ten point five, Jonathan Huberdeau. Ten and a half, mother of pearl. <laughs> Eight years. Eight years, ten and a half million per for Huberdeau, Calgary. So they just say, like, what we were giving Johnny Gaudreau, we'll give it to Huberdeau. Basically, I, I guess in theory, it's. I think aren't they the same age or roughly the same age within a year? I mean, I guess if you're going to do one. I don't know, but, but did Huberdeau get close to 100 something points? Was he? In yeah, the 90s? He, had, he had like 115 points, I think, last year. Oh, so like they're the same player, pretty much. He's he's really for a, for the longest time, Huberdeau and Barkov were like the two most underrated players in hockey, and to the point where now they're like, I guess some people might say they're overrated because they've been talked about as being underrated for so long. Huberdeau's a stud. Yeah, like I've always liked him, and I was like, but like. When you said ten and a half, I was like, "Oh, that's steep." But then you're like, "Is it really that steep? Like, is he over 100 points?" And then you look at the stats, you're like, "Yeah, it is." Like, I guess Kopi the Kopitar is the same for us, right? People on the East Coast don't give him that much credit, yeah. You know? But yeah, so yeah. Uh, Richard comes here. We trust. We have to trust the GM Rob Blake. I agree with that. There. Let's move on to Sean Walker, the unknown here, uh, coming back from injury. Like, what what is your expectation for him this season? Do you still think he's a big trades piece? Um, and then, yeah, what are your expectations? Let's start with that. I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I you're supposed I, to be I, an analyst there, Joe. <laughs> Let's just give some analysis. I, I think I like him, right? I like, I think he's a good player. I think he's an offensive defenseman, obviously. He moves the puck well, so I, I like all that. But he's coming off a pretty big injury. Um, he, by all accounts, is going to play the left side. Um, presumably second pair with Matt Roy. I guess we'll see how it shakes out. So I don't really know what to expect, again, for the year where he's coming off a a significant injury. He's going to be moving to the left side. So we'll see what he is going to be. I don't think he's a trade piece because I don't know what value. What what value does Sean Walker have right now in a trade? I don't think there's – I guess – I I just don't think there's any to where you would deal him. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. I think there's value there. Like, does injury for like a full season, like where he didn't get a show if he was better or worse, like does that really like diminish the value of somebody? Like, well, what did he have before though? Too like, what was his value even before that? I mean, he was I mean, he still played, a young he played up power and play too. He was young up and coming. Like, yeah, you could, you could have somebody take his contract for a sixth or seventh round pick. Well, but like, is that? But what does that do for the Kings? Are you better off having space? I, I don't know if that does anything for. I don't know. I don't know if the space is is is. If Clark is if Clark is ready and you have Jersey and to, like, 
There's your wild card. That there's your wild card is is Brant Clark because I think if Sean Walker, you know, you know, by all accounts is going to come back, he's going to be healthy, he's going to be ready to go at the start of camp. You know, if um, if Clark is that good and he's going to make the team, that is what causes a, a whole ripple effect of of decisions that have to be made. But if Clark doesn't, I I don't know. I don't I don't see trading Walker for a late pick as being something that I have much interest in, I think, uh, because I think the idea around trading Walker originally was to open up space for like that big addition to the back end. That's not going to happen. So unless it's to do that, I, I'm perfectly fine with just seeing how he, how he plays. Cause again, he's, he's, I, I think he's a better option than Tobias Bjornfoot on the back end. So I think he's he's on the team. He's on the roster until Clark takes him off, or, or not just him until Clark proves otherwise. I don't know. I think, I, I, I think it's. I think sometimes we we get a little, and I'm guilty of it too. You know, when it comes to well, the the, the teams up against the cap, we can just trade this guy or trade that guy, and it's not it's not always that easy. You have to have a team that's interested and you have to have a team that's willing to take on his contract and you have to have a team that's willing to pay you what you deem to be fair value. And I don't think trading Walker for a six or seven is good value for the, I, I, I think he's better than that, but will a team pay more than that? I, you know, that's the kicker. And if they're not, then try not to trade him and do whatever you can do from a roster standpoint to keep that from happening. Sebastian comes in here. What could you see the return if they were to choose to trade him? Uh-huh. I mean, I think if before the injury, he probably could squeeze a fourth round pick out of out of Sean Walker. Maybe a fourth and a fifth, or a fourth or a fifth. Like to me, at that point, like maybe you think about it because that contract's over two million. Eventually, like I'm like I understand like they want to slow roast these guys like brisket, like I analyzed or like I gave the analogy with a couple pods ago. But like at some point, if Clark is ready, like, then like he needs to be on this team. Like I agree with that. You know, like, like uh, him going to the to the O. Richards think he'll make the team. Book it. Like him going back to the O. Like does him no good. Like he was the best defenseman there. Like he was on pace before his injury to to set records as far as having one of the best statistical seasons for a defenseman. Like, like there is there really any move there? Like I know like people are saying, you know, he didn't make the World Junior team. Like maybe he needs more development. Like, I don't know what those are. Like, you have Canada's always stacked with first round picks, and you have 20 year olds on, on that team. So, who knows why he didn't make the team? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, getting back to Sean Walker, my expectation would, I think he's a, he's a, going to be in a starting six at some, at, on this roster if, he, yeah. if he's not traded. Right. So that's why I don't, I don't know that I'm just going to just deal him for the sake of dealing him, unless there's something coming then I, I don't do that. No, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I keep him around and, and see what happens. Now, Clark, listen, he, he may very well not be ready for the NHL, but I don't think the OHL is the best spot for him either. He's, he's unfortunately one of these guys that's caught in the middle and is, is not able to play in Ontario <laughs> uh, because he, that's exactly where he should be is, is with the rain and getting, you know, getting some big minutes there, but unfortunately, that's just not the case. Now, we'll be curious to see if Clark gets that, those nine games. Like, there's there's that middle. I think like, he should. There's that middle scenario where, yeah, he he just kind of get. He either makes the team or he 
you know, goes to the OHL, but he, he might also just get that kind of nine game evaluation to see where he's at. And I wouldn't be, I, I, I think he should, I mean, regard, like, unless he looks absolutely trash in camp and I think he should get the nine games. Like you got to see what you got in him on a real level. Cause who knows? I mean, and I don't know, like, I'm not a big contract um, aficionado with all the, the small print, mm-hmm. but like, wouldn't you think that an option would be to send him to Europe? I don't know. Again, I, I don't know. I feel like if that were an option, that would be something that happens a lot more frequently than it does. Um, so I, I don't know. Cause if, if it's an option, like to circumvent that, like, I think they, it, it, they should do it. Like, cause then you're getting higher level talent, him playing in the SHL or, or Liga for a year, um, or two, if they want to keep him that far, like if, that's much better, much better talent over there. Like, I don't know, like you can loan players, but do they already have to have contracts? I, like that's where the small fine print. Yeah. Like, I, my guess is it's not something that you can do. Otherwise I think we'd see that so much more often. And, and we, we really don't. So uh, I'm, my guess is that's, that's not something doable. So we'll see. I mean, this is a big camp for him and for the Kings because it, what happens with Brant Clark is going to have some sort of ripple effect. Yeah. Sebastian coming in here, could Jersey serve as a seventh defenseman? I, I think if he's on this team, he's defenseman number on the right side, right D3. I mean, so the one thing you could do though, say if we assume Spence and Bjornfoot go down and, and your seven are Anderson, Dowdy, Walker, Roy, Edler, Jersey, and then Mulverari is your seven, you kind of have the ability to move, play around a little bit if you want, if Jersey, if you wanted to give him a, um, you know, give him a puff or think he needs to get into the, um, you know, watch a couple games from the press box. You could slide him out, move Walker back to the right side and put Mulverari in on the left side. So you then have a left side of Anderson, Edler and Mulverari with Dowdy, Roy and Walker on the right side. So, you know, I think it offers some flexibility to where that's, that's kind of a nice thing is they can kind of interchange some of those defensemen um, if they need to uh, in that scenario. Yeah, we'll see how it works out there. Let's get back to Brent Clark. I think, like you said, the biggest wild card. I think he's going to come in with, um, you know, with some with some grind here after being snubbed by Hockey Canada, according to Richard here. And I think he was snubbed as well. I don't see how he's not motivated enough to make this team. You know, you look at some players also just play better at, at higher levels, right? There's more structure in this type of thing. Like if, if you pair him with a guy. I guess they wouldn't pair him with Mikey Anderson, but if you pair him with an Edler who's defensively sound, a veteran, all that kind of stuff on the third pair, or Muvari who's sound on the third pair, like he could be definitely something that that he could allow him to use his talents. And I mean, he's good enough right now on the power play to be power play too. Fifty nine points in in fifty five games uh, in the OHL, so he's he's showing offensively. He's got that side of his game. I know there's there's people that do question a little bit of his awkward skating and how he's going to handle. Maybe maybe that is a negative when it comes to the speed of the NHL and the transition game and how he handles that going from offense to defense and through the neutral zone. That could be potentially a problem. That you know we'll see come camp um, how that looks. So. It's hard to say because, you know, haven't seen him really play against NHL competition yet, and we'll see it, you know, kind of in training camp and get get kind of our first look to see how much of a shot he has. All right, we got two more guys here to talk about. Um, actually, I think we have three more. 
but we'll go over the next one. Alex Edler coming in on the one-year deal. Way less than what I thought he was going to get paid compared to what he got paid last season, which and a lot of it's bonuses based on games played. So I think it's a pretty much a no-risk deal here. If you're getting Alex Edler at his level for the full season, then he's well worth the $1.5 million. Um, what is, what's your expectation from him this season? Obviously, last year coming in, it was to be a, a penalty killer, to maybe do some power play stuff, be a veteran. you know. But he was asked to do a, play a lot of minutes, more than I maybe I thought he would. And he was going to be a big contributor down the stretch. So I, I think you're looking at something that might be, is he going to be limited? Is he going to be like, it's because the contract says so, but then it, when we get game times, you got to win games. Is it going to be over 20 minutes a night? Like, what do you think this is going to really end up being for Edler coming in the season? I'm not expecting him to be a, a 20 minute a night um, guy, but I was pleasantly surprised with with what he gave last year um when he was healthy he was very good so i i very much like what alex Edler can bring and i think you know kind of going back to the question about uh jersey potentially being a seventh defenseman i think you know again health is going to determine all of this we saw it just got blown up last year with all the injuries but he you have the ability to kind of ease him and, and spot him and give him rest if they do see that as something as a necessity and you can, you know, bring in Mulverari and you can and, and play him and or you can call up a Bjorn foot if you have to for some reason if somebody else goes down. So I think there's options here to get him some games off if he needs it. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised. I figure he'll be a very similar, provide a similar uh, part of his game that he did last year. He's blocking shots good on the penalty kill and just a solid guy to have um, on the Kings blue line. It was, he was better than I uh, anticipated. Do you think the, the bringing back Mervare is any indication on like the trust that they have in him? And that's why Alex Edler was kind of signed last minute. And like for that amount of money, like you think if they really would have needed Edler immediately, like he would have been one of the first signed, like I know it wasn't that far after free agency started, um, but do you think like the which will be the next guy we talk about Rivari? But do you think that had anything to do with the way his contract was structured, or is it, he's just an old veteran and that's what they get paid? Yeah, that's. I think it was more that. I actually think maybe the the and listen, Blake said it in his press that they were definitely open to bringing back at least one of the veterans, him Armada. But I also think I, I do wonder, and you know, we're we don't know, but I, I do wonder how much they were shopping for a a, a more impactful left D, and when. You know, if that wasn't going to come to fruition, that they said, you know what, we're going to run it back with, with what we had last year. Let's bring Edler back. He was solid, and maybe that's, you know, maybe they waited to see if there was something that that would come with that. And if that wasn't the case, then that's when they decided, okay, let's bring let's bring Edler back into the fold, which I think makes sense. Yeah, Richard comes there. It's great having Edler bring size, experience, and leadership. I agree. And he was very good last year. Very good. Tommy comes in and maybe avoid playing other against faster teams. I think with his experience, you you can play fast without being fast. And I think with his experience, yeah, you saw him make very quality amount of plays. You saw him. I, I remember vividly. I don't remember the team, but I remember vividly the two on one that he had, and it, and he made this miraculous play and and took the puck away by him by himself. And it was just a great smart play by him. And you say, okay, that's why they brought him in. Yeah, I think that's what you're going to do. See that again, and and. You know, as much as we talk about this, you know, where are they going to fit all these guys and this guy should get to play? Like, we're really talking about, like, the lineup at its peak, right? Like, if nobody's injured, but 
very rarely do you see every single yep. person on the roster play 82 games. Yep. And so this is going to make the cream uh, rise to the top, as they say. Coming into the next one, uh, your you know your lover boy here, Jacob Rivari. Um, I, I really thought he had a great season last season for the the amount of ice time that he got. Uh, you didn't see him, which was great. Like there, he was never on a, a bad play, in my opinion. Like on the, all the games that I watched, where he just got whitewashed. You're like, okay, well that mm-hmm. that didn't happen, which we saw from Toby a couple times as well as, you know, Jersey and, and whatever. But, like, you never really saw that from him where he just got whitewashed by an offensive guy. You're like, oh, well, welcome to the NHL guy. Like, he he seemed pretty steady and just out there. And and I, I really think that he could play con- some consistent minutes. And I wouldn't be surprised if he played over 50 games a season with how well he played last year. That could depend on some of the health. Uh, but, yeah, like, he he he's that quiet, unassuming, kind of steady defensive defenseman. Um, really good um, defending his blue line, really good at zone exits, makes a good first pass. He's not going to be somebody that's involved in the offense much. He's not going to be jumping up in the play. You know, he's not going to be in deep in the offensive zone. Like there's times you saw Dursey or Spence that they'll, they'll go down low if they have to in the offensive zone. You're not going to see that much from Overari. What he's going to do though, he graded out very well. Um, when, again, when it came to zone entry defense and when it came to, um, uh, zone exits and and there's uh, uh, all three zones is a website that does a very good job tracking that stuff and and he grades out very well in those uh, in those uh, situations and that's what you're asking him to do and that's what you're expecting out of him you know um, I don't think there's an expectation of a lot of offense it's hey when the puck gets into our zone let's get it and get it up and out and he's very good at that yeah I, I just really liked his game and like. And mm-hmm. I think like you need some teams like that, or you need some players on your team like that that are just consistent. And right now, it seems like the Kings have quite a few of those with Roy. And you'd say the same for Mikey Anderson's pretty consistent. Uh, you know, obviously he's doing it at, at, uh, against higher opponents, being on the first line. But you know, this Mavari's playing like the way Mavari plays is what I think I expected Toby Icebjornfoot to play like. That's- for some reason, I don't know why I had it in me that I expected a little bit more offense from Bjorkfoot. Maybe that's just my me being wrong and and my expectations not being fair. But that's a good that's yeah that's fair. He st- Mo Ferrari stepped in and just looked he looked polished. He looked like a guy that that's been there before. He he didn't look like it was a, a young defenseman overwhelmed by a situation, which I think Bjorkfoot at times can look like. Um, and again, it's probably just because we maybe, you know, we've talked about we don't really know what Bjornfoot is. We know what Moverari is. He's a defensive defenseman. He's going to try to to stop you from coming into the zone, and he's going to try to get that puck up and out to the forwards as quick as possible. That's Moverari. If he gets sent down to the rain for some reason and Toby makes it over him, do you see him as LD1? Or do you do you think the rain maybe give Kim Nusayanen a little bit more ice time just because he's a, an up-and-coming prospect? I think I'd see him as LD1. I think I would see him over our LD1 um, either with Spencer Grons, and I think Nusayana would be too. Yeah. yeah. Richard coming in, Mavari and Dersey or Clark would be straight fire. I agree. I want to see you, Clark. Richard. I want to see Clark get some games, and I like Mavari a lot. So uh, getting into our last guy, a young guy who was on fire for a lot of the last season. You're one of your AHL defensemen of the year, uh, made the all star team, first team. Jordan Spence. Now, I mean, his path to the NHL was unlike any other. 
but definitely earned it everywhere that he was at. Showed his excellence going forward, came in, and I mean, we talked about the rain at nauseum last season with making it rain, and none of us expected him to be that good uh, on the team. Um, I think I, I, I see him starting in the AHL, but let's let's go base let's go back a little bit. What did you see from him last season, and maybe um, you know what were your what are your expectations going forward? So we we talked about how Jersey showed out great in his debut and played well. Spence was even better, in my opinion. Um, he was good in the offensive zone. He he, I was so pleasantly surprised at how well he was in the, on a, in his own zone. Um, again, another really good defenseman, which isn't too surprising given how skilled he is. But a really good defenseman at moving pucks. Um, again, up and out of the zone. He started transition. He jumped into the play. It's hard not to love this kid. Um, there's a lot here, and again, I, I agree that. Just again, because of his waiver situation, because of the logjam in in LA, he's probably somebody that that starts in in Ontario. But man, uh, this he's the one that is first up, right? If something happens somewhere in the blue line, he's he's coming up um, because he was again small sample, of course, didn't play a ton of games, but um, really really impressive with uh, with what he showed uh, in such a small amount of games. It just seemed like in the AHL, like it seemed like he was getting a point per game. Like at any time, if the Kings got on a power play, like he was getting a point. Like that's what it seemed like, uh, or that the rain got on the power play, he was getting. Yeah. A point. That's what it just seemed like, and and it shouldn't be any different this year with Tynan back on the roster and Samuel Flegimo lighting up rockets from that from that dot. I mean, he should be getting quite a few assists uh, coming on the power play, and so I mean, you know, it's very interesting, and I really like the way he plays, and I think. I'll, you know, I haven't really voiced this a lot, but I think he—I thought he was better than Jersey most for more consistent amount of time. Yep. Um, I think that. I think that when you look at like the season there, in my opinion, Jersey came in when the when it was like, like when the the defense was so parched, right? Like it almost felt like the Kings were in the desert for scoring, and Jersey was an oasis in uh, in the distance that you could run to. And it's like, oh, thank you for this water. It felt it tastes so good. And just because Spence came in when they were, you know, when they were humming or whatever and playoffs looked in sight, doesn't mean his gameplay was any less impactful. No, I, again, I, I, I really like what Jordan Spence uh, showed. I think another year, again, a really young defenseman, 21 years old, another, another season in Ontario is not going to hurt him at all. Um, but the Kings, uh, again, just showing their depth um, on the right side of the blue line. Uh, they're, in, they're in good shape there. Yeah, I think he'll get obviously get some games with whether it be injury or or just you know mm-hmm. dominant play again in the AHL. I think he'll get some games up there and and he'll do just fine. You know, maybe a trade midseason opens up some room for him. Um, you know, I, I just it's something that really I have you know high expectations. I really have super high expectations for him as far as in the AHL. He should definitely be one of the top defensemen in the league. In my opinion, um, he was first team all-star last year. So those expectations should remain high. And then when he comes in to the NHL, I, I would expect him to be at, at least as good as he was last year, if not a little bit better on the defensive side, because the fact that the game should have slowed down a little bit with that uh, the amount of seasoning that he got. I mean, the right side in L.A. has Dowdy, Roy, Dursey, and Walker. I mean, I know Walker's probably going to play the left, but they have four right-shot defensemen that are all – 
solid to really good players in the NHL. And then in the system, you have Clark Spence and Helge Granz on the right side. They are loaded, no question, um, on that side of the blue line. And again, it, it, you tend to wonder, is there another trade at some point coming? And is it coming from that crop, uh, like a la Brock Faber? I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. Time will tell. Yes. Sebastian, come in here. What about expectation for Velarde? Uh, we went over that a couple podcasts ago. Just go back, whether you're watching on YouTube or the podcast, and, and we'll have it up there for you. Uh, Devo comes in and says, I think a few prospects are going to get traded this coming year for defensive help for the big club. Trades are not something Rob Blake is afraid of. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at that either. Or I think they maybe just let this team play and the prospects have to rise. I think there's a good balance. I know the Kings want to win. And <laughs> Joe thinks LD1 is the number, most important thing on this team. It's got to fit from a cap standpoint. Maybe it doesn't this year. We think the cap's going to go up. You know, is this team a Stanley Cup winning team? I don't think so at this moment. Maybe they get so much progression out of Byfield and Kaliev where you're getting a 20-plus goal score on the third line and Byfield's putting up over 40 points and they are a lot better team, um, you know, going forward. And so it's something to, to look at. They got to make it from a cap standpoint. So you're going to have to trade a, sure. an NHL player and we can go debate all that all day long. We have quite a bit, but we're at out of time. So... Nice. Um, thank you guys for coming in. As always, go to our uh, website at hockeyroyalty.com. Read all the articles that are coming out. Um, coming out articles every single day, popping them out left and right. So it should be very exciting coming as the season coming in straight into camp about all the, the data that's going to be available for your Kings. You can find us at hockey underscore royalty, me at Randall Commando 24, at Joe at JW Paterino, and our triumphant guy that is missing. Mr. Russell Morgan at NHL. Russell coming with news from camp. He's going to be at a lot of that stuff there, you know, the insider that we have and at the game. So it'll be good to have him on next week and talk about a little more Kings hockey. Um, definitely some more stuff coming up. I'm trying to get you guys some guests. So keep it there. Thank you guys for your always your love and support. Like and subscribe the channel. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell people you don't care about that hockey royalty is here to stay. And we're covering you for LA Kings all season long. Joe. Pleasure talking with you, Kings Hockey. As and as always, go Kings go. Go Kings. <laughs>